This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He got it! But a flag flies at the end of the play. Yeah, the flag was not a flag. That was a game-winning overtime field goal by Evan McPherson for Cincinnati. What a surprise last night. Was an entertaining, very well-played game, won by the Bengals 34-31 to in overtime with Jake Browning starring in a way that no one Saw coming. Uh, good morning. Two guests on the show today. John Keim at 1030, former NFL GM Randy Mueller. We've had Randy on the show uh, before at 1235. This from Rich. Rich sent me a note and said, Kevin, did you watch the Bengals last night? Teams without their starting quarterback can still win, Kevin. Florida State should be in, Kevin. You're wrong! Exclamation point. Rich, of course, believing that Florida State, like the Bengals last night, could have won with their backup quarterback in a playoff game. Uh, I'll get back to Rich's note uh, in a minute or two. Uh, The game last night was a stunner because of the Cincinnati backup quarterback, Jake Browning. Practice squad after practice squad for four years. And then then finally this year, he makes it to an actual roster sitting behind Joe Burrow. Burrow goes down, and he did not look good when he came in against Baltimore. He did not look good in his first start against Pittsburgh. Uh, The Bengals were a 10-point underdog last night before the game kicked off. Denton, I didn't say this on the show yesterday, but I did do it officially on Twitter and on my podcast. That line kept climbing. I had the Bengals in the smell test on Friday, but I pulled them yesterday from the smell test. The line kept going up. There was so much sharp money on on Jacksonville, and it felt very much like the Dallas Thanksgiving Day game against Washington, where you know the day before the line jumped from like ten and a half, it went from like ten and a half to fourteen, you know, over you know like a twelve hour period. And I didn't pull Washington from the smell test, and I wished I had. I did pull Cincinnati from the smell test 
last night. I didn't play them. For those of you that didn't hear or see the message and you played them anyway, you're welcome. For those of you that did pull it based on my recommendation, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't play the game either. Um, But yeah, I mean, nobody was giving Jake Browning in Cincinnati a chance at Jacksonville in Jacksonville's first Monday night game in like 14 years at home. Browning last night, if you didn't stay up and watch this, or if you just decided, and I can't blame you, not to watch it from the jump, 32 of 37 for 354 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. Browning last night became the first NFL quarterback in NFL history to throw for 350 or more and complete 86% of his passes or higher in one of his first two NFL starts. I mean, that came from nowhere. His interview um, with Lisa Salters after the game was great. He really, uh, apparently, you know, and I did a little bit of reading about him after the game last night and this morning, he is one of those backup quarterbacks that people just love. The team believes in him. He's apparently really smart. Everybody likes him. And in the interview, I mean, he was very self-effacing, and he, he essentially said, look, the bottom line is we were able to run the football, which was 100% the, the reason that any quarterback last night with the uh, lack of experience that he had had a chance. They rushed the ball up for 156 yards in that game. You know, if you haven't been following Jacksonville this year, they've been a really good defensive team, especially a really good rush defense team. Cincinnati ran 31 times for 156 yards in the game, five yards per carry. Uh, the kid Chase Brown, who I loved coming out of um, uh, out of Illinois, uh, looked really good last night. And Joe Mixon looked good. And then all of a sudden, play action and everything started working. The biggest missteps of the night is they had Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase throw passes. They were trying every trick in the book early in the game to take the pressure off Browning and to try to create something. It was almost as if Zach Taylor, the head coach of Cincinnati, didn't believe in Browning either and his ability to lead them. And so early in the game, it was lots of, I mean, bubbles and trick plays. Tyler Boyd threw an interception. They threw two behind-the-line-of-scrimmage throws to wide receivers. Jamar Chase took a big loss on his... Um, when he threw uh, a pass to back to Browning that was late and off, you know, way off, and Browning took a seven-yard loss, and then Boyd threw an interception to Josh Allen, the Jacksonville Josh Allen, and then all of a sudden it was like Zach T- Taylor said, "Well, we're running the ball. Let's see if this guy can throw it with some play action. Let's see if we can take a couple shots." And a 76-yard touchdown pass to Jamar Chase got him off and running, and this game just went back and forth. I mean, 7 nothing, 7 7-7, 14-7, 14-14, 21-14, 21-21, 28-21, 28-28, 31-28, 31-31, and then 34-31 in overtime. And the big story, other than Browning last night, maybe a much more significant story in the AFC if you weren't watching the game, is that Trevor Lawrence got hurt late in regulation. He got stepped on by one of his offensive linemen, and he's got... You know, it looked really awful in the moment. Uh, he was, I don't know why they didn't get a cart and bring him back. They were they were holding him up and he was limping through the tunnel. They're saying right now a sprained ankle, 
but there's more testing to come. That could be a massive story in the AFC because with a win last night, Jacksonville would have moved to the number one seed in the AFC playoff picture after Kansas City's loss Sunday night Sunday night at Lambeau. So uh, Bethard came in. C.J. Bethard's the backup in Jacksonville. He actually came in, led them down the field for the game-tying field goal in regulation, and then had an incredible throw to Calvin Ridley to the two-yard line in overtime on the first possession, but there was a holding penalty. It got called back. It was a ticky-tack kind of a hold, to be honest with you. Um, And uh, Cincinnati took over, and Jake Browning took him down the field, and they kicked a game-winning field goal, and this was a team that literally could not move the football with Browning before last night, and last night, 34 points, 491 total yards, 6.8 yards per play, 8 for 14 on third down, and now you look at Cincinnati and you wonder, well, we counted you out because Joe Burrow is gone, but who knows? They're 6-6 six and six in a game out in the wild card race. Uh, really incredible game. Very upset, obviously, that I pulled the Bengals pre-kickoff. I don't do that a lot, but there, there was just too much late steam on Jacksonville. And it was all sharp steam because the line kept climbing. It went to 10 before kickoff. Um, but back to Rich's note because he injected some college football uh, playoff talk into it. Um, you know, when Rich said, uh, it's, you know, teams can win without their starting, you know, teams without their starting quarterback, Kevin, can still win, Kevin. Florida State should be in, Kevin. You're wrong. Um, my position yesterday um, is essentially I think the committee was justified based on, based on the protocol that they had, the, you know, the criteria that they are um, tasked to use to determine the four teams. Uh, I didn't have a problem with it at all. Um, and with respect to Florida uh, you know, Florida State's backup quarterback, look, Rich, the NFL and college football are completely different. You know, the talent disparities, uh, the talent disparity, much greater in college than it is in the NFL, which is why in the NFL there's much more of, uh, you know, any given Sunday discussion, whereas in college football, you don't hear the any given Saturday quite as much because it's really hard to pull the big upset. Look, I'm not suggesting that the talent disparity between Florida State and Alabama is, you know, what, you know, is like Alabama and Alabama A&M. I'm just saying, you know, the NFL and college football are just, it's different. And that's why you see, you know, many more blowouts. That's why in college football you see point spreads that are 30, 35, 40 point favorites. You know, that's why, you know, Georgia and Florida State in a bowl game, Georgia's a two touchdown favorite. That's a massive favorite in the NFL. In college, it's, you know, it's every Saturday. Two good teams, but one team's a double digit favorite. Um, there's just there's just differences in the way you know. There's no salary cap. There's no design for parity like there is in the NFL. The NFL is designed for parity. Um, but again, on the Florida State thing, look, I, I I still you know, and I read there's a really good story written by Heather Dinich about the whole how the whole thing went down. Um, did you read that Denton or not? 
No, I meant to, and I never got around to it. I mean, she she had you know a lot of information on how the whole thing went down, and you know, there's this one quote from a committee member um, who told uh, you know ESPN, "quote All of us had the emotional tie, like holy sh, this is going to suck. This is really going to suck to do this." Um, and they didn't want to do it. But they had to use the criteria, which included key player availability and the subjective view of a lot of football people in that room that Florida State was a much different team with their backup quarterback versus their starting quarterback and that they would not be able to compete against the playoff teams. And more importantly, they were not anywhere in the in the realm of what they had Bama at that point who was a healthy team and also a conference champion that's rich why I don't have a problem with it if the criteria was something else and didn't include you know uh, the the, uh, the 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 nugget well not the nugget but the actual section that includes key player availability then of course I would have said Florida State you know, 13-0, Alabama's got one loss, Florida State did everything they had to do, but this was part of what they were supposed to consider, and they did. And because of it, Florida State is out, and everybody in the state of Florida, every politician is suing everybody now. It's like it's like when the Saints, remember when the Saints lost to the Rams in the NFC Championship game with just the egregious pass interference call that was missed that would have, you know, walked the clock down for a walk-off regulation field goal for the Saints. And they had, you know, every they had district attorneys, they had everybody in the in the state of Louisiana, every every parish in Louisiana was involved in suing somebody. Fans were getting together, they were taking out the you know, threatening class action lawsuits against the NFL. It was ridiculous. And at the same time, you know, I think a lot of that is overdone and overblown, but I also do understand that it's not like to be flippant and to say it's just football. Come on, get over it. It's just a game. That isn't true. This will cost Florida State. It will cost the ACC. It will cost them lots and lots of money. Like this is a big business this college football playoff. So it hurts more than just emotionally. It hurts financially. But again, it would have also hurt Alabama to a certain extent, although it doesn't seem like they can be hurt financially. Um, and uh, and that you know, if if Alabama hadn't gotten in, would there have been somebody asked me, would there have been as much there are two things that, that people brought up to me, Denton, which I thought were interesting. Um, th- number one, would there have been as much bitching if Alabama had been left out and Florida State had been in? I think the answer to that is probably not as much, but there would have been a lot. And it wouldn't have just come from Nick Saban and Alabama. It would have come from the people that knew what the committee was supposed to base their decision on. 
And so it would have said the committee's not doing what they've claimed that they have the responsibility to do, which is to pick the four best teams using this set of criteria, which included key player availability. So I do think that there would have been bitching, maybe not to the same level, because there's no doubt that there's a feeling that Florida State was wronged in a way that a lot of people can't get their arms around. Because a lot of people don't know what the committee's job was and and what they you know were using as criteria to make the selections but th- that was one thing that was brought up to me what what do you think no i definitely don't think people would have been as over the top annoyed if bama was the one that was left out because you could justify it by having one loss i think people would be upset because they would have been robbed of Michigan versus Alabama, which I think is going to be a really good game. But you can easily justify it because the one loss. So I don't think people would have been been nearly as over dramatic as they've been the past forty eight hours. Here was a better one that was brought up to me um, after the show yesterday. So you're telling me, Kevin, that if JJ McCarthy or Quinn Ewers after the championship games that they played in on Saturday, or Michael Penix Jr. after Friday night had, let's just say, on the final play of the game in a kneel down, got hit and got hurt and was ruled out for you know the next couple of months, that they would have been left out of the, uh, of the final four. It's a, it's, a, it's a valid point, but my answer was as follows. The big difference between that scenario and the Florida State scenario is that the committee got a chance to see Florida State without Jordan Travis. They got a chance to see Tate Rotemaker play against a horrific defensive team in Florida in the swamp and literally be helpless offensively. They saw the third-string quarterback in the ACC championship game. It's fair to say that the third-string quarterback shouldn't matter unless he had played great, and then that could have been an option for Florida State in the playoff, but he was even worse than Tate Rotemaker was. They won both games. They did. But that's the big difference, is that the committee had a chance to be able to project what Florida State was without Jordan Travis. If you know J.J. McCarthy or Quinn Ewers or, or Michael Penix Jr. had gotten hurt on the final play of the game, you know, on a kneel down or, you know, whatever, or had gotten in a, and, you know, slipped off a, a chair and broke a wrist that night at a team party, they would not have had a chance to evaluate the backup quarterback. That's the difference. And yes, they would have been in. Well, they would have been in because they would not have had any information to say, we don't know that this team's going to be much less, you know, decidedly less without this person, without this quarterback, as good as those quarterbacks are. In Florida State's case, they got a view, a two-game view, and it looked helpless at quarterback. And at the end of the day, that along with strength of schedule, 55th Florida State, 5th Alabama, they made the decision they made. Um, I would also um, just mention again, because... As many of you sent me, and I don't. Somebody just said Mike Greenberg keeps screaming about strength of record, and <laughs> what a big difference! <laughs> strength of record doesn't matter. Strength of the only thing that mattered. I, I read to you guys yesterday. I'll read it again if you want me to. Maybe you don't, but I'm going to do it anyway. Here are the criteria 
to select the four best teams, not the four most deserving, the four best teams. Conference championship, strength of schedule, not strength of record, not strength of common opponent, strength of schedule. Head-to-head competition, comparative outcomes of common opponents without incenting margin of victory. Okay, meaning you're not going to look at, you know, um, Washington defeat, you know, Washington defeated, if, if it's Alabama and Georgia, Alabama defeated Ole Miss by 14 and Georgia defeated them by 38. They're not going to look at that. It's just the comparative outcomes of common opponents. And then lastly, the key, other relevant factors such as unavailability of key players and coaches that may have affected a team's performance during the season or likely will affect its postseason performance. And that's where they said, it definitely affected the team's performance during the season in the games against Florida and Louisville, even though they won. They were not good offensively. And that it would affect its postseason performance. But, yeah, I mean, that would have been interesting, right? You know, a late game, games over injury to J.J. McCarthy in the Big Ten championship game, and how would they have treated Michigan? Well, that, well, that, would, again, have to be, that would have to be a grotesque injury. Because like it's not like if it was the way that the schedule had been with the rankings prior to the final one, maybe there'd be some semblance of that because the rankings don't come out until Tuesday. But in this instance, it's like a 12-hour turnaround. And there's a 0% chance any of these teams would provide any medical update until after the rankings were announced. Well, yeah, I, point. yeah the, the point is, you know, I understand that. Yeah, of course, if, it's, if he rolls an ankle, we're not going to hear anything from Michigan for three weeks. You know, other than it's looking good. You know, things, you know, we're, we're taking, you know, it's, it's day to day. There's no way that they would have, you know, put out before the committee voted, uh, J.J. McCarthy's out. He's just saying if clearly a quarterback was out for good, you know, if one of those quarterbacks, would they have been left out? And the answer is no, they wouldn't have because, again, Florida State, they got a chance to see without Jordan Travis. Those other teams, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to see without their starting quarterback. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I wanted to, um, before we get to Kime, uh, there's, uh, I want to read this other quick note. It came from Jeffrey. Uh, Jeffrey wrote, by the way, I am looking forward to the final four. <laughs> Just as, as an aside, I feel awful for Florida state. Like any foot sports fan would, you know, it's terrible for a Florida state, you know, alum or a Florida state fan. I get it, but whatever, uh, I'm go- I'm going to enjoy the final four. And to Denton's point, the Michigan Bama game should be awesome. Did you know, by the way, Denton, that the average score of the playoff semifinal games since the playoff was introduced in 2014 40 to 21. That is part of the overall too, and, and it allowed them to take that key player availability, uh, you know, affecting future performance, and say we don't want 40 to 21. And by the way, it may have been more like 24 to three uh, because of Florida State's defense and lack of offense. But they wanted, they didn't want blowouts. I mean, we got a great TCU Michigan semifinal last year. But, you know, Alabama-Cincinnati a couple of years ago, we've seen some of these games that were just, and and most of them have been not competitive. In fact, I would say, overall, the Final Four in college football over the 10-year run has been largely disappointing uh, because of the blowout games. A, B, it's also the fact that you have to wait basically three and a half weeks I think that that's a. I think next year when you go to a twelve-team playoff, 
and you get immediately a first round of 5 versus 12, 6 versus 11, 7 versus 10, 8 versus 9 on home fields this coming weekend, you know, the Heisman weekend, the Army-Navy weekend, and I don't know if it'll be this weekend or next weekend, but it'll be close enough to continue the momentum of the college football season, and I think it'll be much better. Much better. Um, So I wanted to read this real quickly. It came from Jeffrey. Jeffrey writes, Kevin, so much for your take that Ron's teams don't quit. They've been outscored 90-25 to the last two games, and as you said, it could have been much worse on Sunday if not for Mike McDaniel's mercy. This team is done. They have quit so much, and I... I'm happy about it. It confirms that Ron is gone and improves their chances to get a legit high-ceiling quarterback in the draft. Keep the quitting coming, Kev. Uh, Jeffrey, you're right, man. I was wrong. I thought that you know they'd have some fight left in them, that they'd probably win a game or two that you didn't expect them to win. But yeah, this team's done. They didn't fight the way I thought they would and had in recent years. Um Think about this. This will easily, I know, I'm I'm, going to steer clear of getting into a major Ron Rivera discussion here about Ron in Carolina versus Ron in Washington. two, Two totally different coaches. But this will be, or is headed towards, the worst season of Ron's head coaching career by miles. I think his worst season prior was six and 10. Um, and that was, you know, with Cam injured or Cam as a rookie, um, you know, we talked about, you know, I, I did this a few weeks ago or uh, before that run. The late season winning percentage for Ron over his career, if you just look at, say, the final third of a season, each of those seasons, like the final six games, like basically through last year, he's like 62%. Like he wins 62% of his games or has. That does not appear to be something that's in the cards this year. And I'm with you, uh, Jeffrey. Um, you know, by the way, I think when I did that, just as an FYI, I think I took the COVID year out. I, I didn't think it was fair to count the COVID year when they had, you know, a you know a, a fraction of the roster available. But um, uh, yeah, the, it's it, it's not looking like there's going to be much of a Ron Rivera late, you know, season uh, move, um, and I don't want it either. Let's give the new regime as many options as possible. I'm with you. You know, nothing worse than a top four pick, which is where they are right now. Let's keep the losses coming. Um, I am totally with you on that. Um, All right. Uh, John Kime next. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team 980. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 80.com. John Kime. You know, he's an Ohio State guy. He's a Big Ten guy. He's a big program guy. By the way, we're talking about Florida State as if they're like some little, you know, peon of a program. Um, John's with us. John's Buckeyes lost to Michigan for a third straight year. Oh, my God. Does Ryan Day keep his job? That's my first question to you. This is too soon to talk about, Kevin. (laughs) Yes, he, he listen. I was telling my, my wife and I were talking about this morning as the anger was still coming out of my, with my words. However, how many programs would want to trade places with where Ohio State is right now under Ryan Day? Almost every one of them. So, no, he should not. And I, you know, I think there are definitely things you have to improve. And if he calls me, I, get, I have a long list, and I'm ready to deliver it. But, you know, I do not think you need to move on from Ryan Day. No, I, I don't think so either. But, still, but I, I – You know – you're you're part of you know probably and I think we didn't we do this recently Denton Ohio State's fan base is number one in all of college sports Ohio State's football fan base and Notre Dame was like a a distant two distant in terms second, of yeah. and and you're you're just you're, you're you can be a little bit emotional and it's amazing you a know a little that, bit it's a crazy it's just, fan base I like and it's as someone. A friend of mine says it's not called it's called Buck Nuts for you know if there's a website Buck Nuts he says it's Buck Nuts for a reason it's not Buck State even Keel it's Buck yeah. Nuts so yes it's a it is a very intense fan base and you know if you're Ryan Day like the one thing I don't want to say I feel bad for anybody but he he is a they are eleven and one and they are smarting this year because they lost one game yeah it, the pressure there is immense however. The pressure is immense, but if you do well there, if you're a quarterback who wins there, you know, you're a legend. And, and you know, RIP Dwayne Haskins, that guy, whatever he did in the NFL, was always going to be a legend and will always be a legend at Ohio State right. because of what he did there. So it can make you, and it can certainly it's – it's like playing for the Yankees, where it's, you know, the pressure that comes with that and because the intensity of the, of the coverage and the fan base and just the, the, the passion. But, no, no, like he's done – I mean, again, you look at his record, and what he's done is really good. It's just that that game, you know, um, and you know, maybe there have been some help for another program in that game sometimes. 
that may get them the hammer to come down on them deservedly, but you still got to win. And he didn't. And so like, that's, that's what you have to correct one game. I mean, shoot, they gave Georgia a great game last year and should have won without a lot of their offensive skill talent. So, you know what I mean? So it's like, you have to keep it in perspective when you talk about him and that school. And a lot of people don't. Smith Najigbo was out, right? He was out. Well, he he was out. Travion Henderson was out. Yeah, right. Number two running back was out. The tight end in the game gets hurt. Marvin Harrison gets knocked out on a penalty that was overturned. So by the end of the game, you have nothing. And then you have a D coordinator who, well, I won't get into that. But, But bottom line is, what they were missing most of the year was a lot like Njigba didn't play. Travion Henderson was never healthy. So those are first round talents or top talents, right? So like what he's done there isn't pretty good except for one game. You know, I don't think there is anything that comes close to, I I was thinking about this as as we were talking about it. Um, I don't think any, in any other sport, there's, there's a comparable to one game mattering as much no. as Michigan, Ohio State. I was going to say Army Navy, maybe, you know, is, is that kind of a game. But, you know, Alabama Auburn, I mean, Alabama's games with Tennessee and with LSU every year are massive. Auburn's, you know, got uh, their own game with, with LSU. It's still, the Iron Bowl's still a big deal, don't get me wrong, sure. but. At, at Ohio State and Michigan, if you're an Ohio State fan and you don't beat the team up north, it, it doesn't matter about the other 11 victories. It here's, is not considered a successful season. So here's how it was last season. Before the Georgia game, the discussion was, if you, you win the national title but don't beat Michigan, is it a good year? That was a legitimate I know. discussion by some people. And you know, before the Georgia game, you're like, well, after the Georgia game, it's like, I'd have taken it, of course, because it's a national title. And what people remember is you won the national title. However, that game, you can't underscore how big that is for both programs. And especially this year, because of all that happened um, with, um, you know, another school that, that has tried to play the victim in a massive way. But with all that's happened, it just added to it. I think the, the disdain level shot through the roof. But yes, the rivalry is like it's been like if you're if you're involved in that, you kind of treasure that because of you because you know it doesn't get it, you may have something to say, oh, it's as big as, but nothing is bigger than that. And it's hard for people sometimes to understand the depth of it on both sides, you know, on both sides. I mean, and so and you know, Michigan had a run in the '90s. Ohio State, you know, for the last 20 years until the last three was dominated, and now it's you know it swings, and so you got to swing it back, and and that's the task, and. But it is, it's different, and it's hard to compare it to many other things. And, like, if you're in Michigan, like Michigan State is there, you know, that's the in-state big thing. Ohio State, Penn State's a big deal. But it's, it's typically – but it's, it's just different. It's just different. Here, here's a – actually, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you the question. Do you – Am I th- in this is, right this now? is probably going to be an insane question. Am I, in, am I in therapy right now? Or Yeah, a little bit. Um it, do you want Michigan to win the national championship hell because no. it elevates oh. the no no hell okay no. all right not a because in hell no because let me just let me just no, tell you it as some as anything uh-uh. yeah There's so a, you don't even have to continue that question what I want is for the Alabama to win and then the hammer to come down on them that's what I want. But right. Okay. That that, so that is the, that is true hatred yeah. with without any regard to whether or not there's any there is, sort of benefit to the league or to the rivalry or whatever. Cares? Because because I don't you care. know if yeah, you at like care about the league like that. 
there's there's actually it's not apples to apples, but when North Carolina two years ago went into Cameron Indoor on the final game of the regular season in Coach K's final game and beat Duke, you can ask most Carolina basketball fans. They will tell you that that was actually more satisfying oh, yeah. than beating them a month later in the final four. Oh, yeah. So oh, I, I, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Now in, in the ACC, because I have a little bit of experience having you know been an ACC fan and being a Maryland fan, there was always a sense of when you got into the NCAA tournament, ACC fans rooted for other ACC teams to do well. Like there was this idea that it would be great to see an All ACC Final Four. So there was a lot of conference pride. I think in the I think in basketball it's a little bit different. Yeah, like probably. If Purdue won if Purdue won the title, like, I, I you know that's great. If Illinois won, that's great. I can't say if, if the other team won that it would be great, but I think <laughs> I think it's more true in yeah. there than it is in football. And right. you know, just from my and I think I, I don't I don't know many Ohio State fans that would disagree with me, um, especially this year. Like, there's not a chance in hell that anybody would want to see them win. Um, again, after playing victimhood status for a month, right, or two months, whatever it is. But even that, even if forget that part, you know, they beat Ohio State three in a row, you, don't, you still don't want to see them win. It doesn't say anything about Ohio State if Michigan wins. It just means that it adds to the – it's pouring salt into an open wound. Yeah, and, and by I, the way, I don't I think listen, Carolina and Duke – I think the hatred between Carolina and Duke is such that they would never root for the other. Right. But I, the league – there's a pride about that league that goes back a long, long way. You know, the Big East to a certain degree was the same. The year that in '85, when they got three teams in the Final Four, there was a real, um, you know, there's a there's a pride factor that you are part of, kind of yeah. the the oh. premier league in the country, and so and that yeah. bears itself out in March. You know, it, it's well, not. Me, uh, yeah. I think it's different in basketball. You know, yeah, I, I think, think you're right. Like for basketball, like the Big Ten hasn't done anything in a long time. You know, if Michigan State won, I'd have no Maryland was the last that, right? Big Ten yeah, team like, to win a title. There's, there's, <laughs> right, and there's, there's, there's almost any Big Ten team I wouldn't mind seeing win, you know, because for yeah. that reason, but not in football. In football, there's – now, I think what you'd want is to have it strong enough so that way if you win the division, there's not a Florida State situation, right? You know, that's like, okay, you know, Ohio State wins at 11-1 and or 12-1, and maybe someone else is this, that hey, another one-loss team, well, the Big Ten is so strong, you're going to get in. And, you know, that's where you want it. But, like, in the playoff, no. I, if there's not a single Big Ten team that if they're in there, that, I, that you know, I, right. there's one team I care about in football in the Big Ten. So, yeah. but, I, but, again, I think it's strong. The better, like, the better Michigan does, the better it is for Ohio State. It's always been the case. And, you know, or if like Penn State is good, when you beat them, it matters. If they're six and four and the teams aren't very good. That's right. Well, then you, that's, that's where you want it to be strong. But in the playoffs, yeah. no, like they're, no, they're I, supposed to be the tune-ups and get to there. That's, that's the Ohio State thinking, right? These are the tune-up games, get to there, and then you roll. So the stronger it is in the regular season, the better off you are. Um, of course, yeah, not not yeah. to mention just being able to partake in a game with you know massive stakes. Like Ohio State yeah. had two of them this year against Penn State yeah. and against yeah. Michigan and Michigan, and Notre Dame. yeah, and Notre Dame too. Yeah, but that wasn't a conference yeah. game. But yes, um, understood. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, it's, and, it, but it is different for basketball, and I will admit that. And and yeah. you know, um, but for football, like it's it's really, you know, I, I there may be some people who think that way, and I would guarantee Michigan fans don't feel that way either. And I wouldn't and I wouldn't want them to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like no, it, no, no, no. You know, it's it adds to it. Right. 
Right. Yeah, there's this, um, I mean, we're so far removed from it now, and it's so irrelevant in the NFL, but for right. those of us that lived through the great yeah. days of the Cowboys-Redskins rivalry, yeah. it was much better when both teams were great yeah. than when right. one was really good and the other one wasn't, because you played right. in these massively anticipated regular season right. games and twice in championship games as well, and it just made um, it made it so much more enjoyable. And, All right. And, uh, I, and last thing on that, too, what yeah. I also wonder is the impact, like in the Big Ten, for example, you're going to scrap the division, so it's conceivable that you could play them two weeks in a row, and that's going to start How about three and then out. in the playoffs? That, that's the playoffs. a possibility. Yeah. That's, listen, you could split those games and both make it. Yeah, well, I mean, shoot, there's 12 teams. So, yeah, that's a definite possibility. And then it really – because, like, part of the problem with the NFL – not problem, but one of the things with the NFL, you're playing these teams – couple times a year so and same with college basketball you know you, know, you yeah. might play them three four times a year so it does kind of water yeah, maryland down and duke played four times one year i mean they yeah, played everyone, twice in the regular season played in the acc tournament and played in the final four and it's like when ohio state michigan is is a lot of times it can become your first playoff game and if yeah. you win that you advance and if you don't right. you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna feel it for a year and, you know, if there are Michigan fans out there listening, they're probably jumping a bit down when I say that. But it's true. They know it. I know it. We all know it. So, Do you know, so if you, you know, like, here's the thing. Well, here's the scenario. What if one team has it clinched already? Do you rest guys in that game knowing you may play that team the next week? Do you know what I mean? So it's just, <laughs> it's going to change things. No, because gonna, seeding it, will be important. Seeding will be important. But, the, but I also think it's like you want to get in there and you want to be healthy. Yeah, but you want to be you want to have home field too. Well, I mean, Denton and I were talking about this the other day. The twelve team playoff for those that don't know, um, there will be a first round, and it'll be seeds five through twelve, with the top four seeds having a first round bye. Right. And then with the quarterfinal round, which would be the next week, they're going to use the bowls, and that's going to be a big, big problem for the top four seeds yeah. because of the home game that they are losing out on. That the lesser seeds are ga- actually benefit. Fitting from, I actually think it would be much better if that second weekend was home field advantage too in some of these iconic venues with the, you know, the crowds and. Um, but it'll be, um, it, you know, instead of these sterile, you know, uh, bowl environments. Right. Denton, here's the other part of that. As an Ohio State fan, as an example, you're going to have to, you know, if they're the one seed, you're going to have to choose. Am I going to go to that quarterfinal bowl game? You know, am I going to wait and go to the semifinal bowl game? Am I going to wait and go to the championship right. game? Oh, like yeah. you will have some people who will pick and choose and well, may not have the same level of attendance. Ohio State's probably a bad example, but there are other schools where you will get a discerning fan and pick oh, yeah. their and spots. It, uh, well, think about also the families of the players. And I don't know what I don't yeah. know what's like and to be able to afford all that week after week after week, and you can't plan ahead for the final, <laughs> right? For airfare or anything like that. So it's it's really it's yeah it's going to change things. And I and I know you we don't need to go down this road, but I also wonder where where's college football going? And in ten years, is the passion going to be the same? Even for someone like myself, because it's so different from what we grew up with. And not yeah. that what we grew up with is the end all be all. It's just that it's going in such a direction. In some ways, it's really good. In some ways, it just you know, but you know, but here's the other part. Like with the 14 playoff, Ohio State or any team, Florida State, like Florida State's in next year in this scenario. And so, like maybe you got a worse seating, but you're in. And you know, so like Ohio State, you had to be perfect 
or you don't make it. Like, that's a hard way. It's, it can be an entertaining way to live during the season because it makes every game important, but it's also a hard way to live, you know, as, as a fan. Listen, as an Ohio State fan, like, they, they won 11 games. I'll bet you I was pleased with about two of them. well they they weren't impressive early and you know you're gonna have another quarterback next year right um well they probably wouldn't but you could win by 20 and it's like the whole thing is like yeah but it should have won by i know it's crazy hey uh it's insane it's insane can i I, may i ask you to hold on through a break so we can talk about the commanders so we can talk about yeah Uh, yeah yeah yeah, all right so we'll do that we'll break john will stick around with us and we will talk washington football commanders next kevin sheehan show the Team 980 and the Team 980.com. Monday Night Football last night. Bengals take care of the Jaguars 34-31 in overtime. Trevor Lawrence left the game with a lower leg injury that is now being described as a sprained ankle prior to leaving Hughes 22-29 for 258 yards and two touchdowns. On the ice, bad night for the Capitals last night. They lost 6 to nothing at the hands of the Arizona Coyotes. Rough night at the office. They'll get back up and dust themselves off. And that's what's trending. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. All right, Kime is with us at John underscore Kime on Twitter. Uh, got you. For those that didn't know it, you just figured out what John's real passion is when it comes to sports. Uh, he is scarlet and gray through and through. Um, can't even say Michigan. He's got to refer to them as the team up north. All right, let's uh, let's talk Commanders. Do you have any sense as to where Josh Harris is right now on? What comes next? Has he, you know, I mean, it seems obvious to me that they've made a lot of progress on general manager candidates, et cetera. Do you have a sense as to where they are on what comes next? Oh, I mean, I mean, as far as like the changes that are going to be made. Well, we know the changes are going to be made. That's obvious. I'm just saying, do you think that they've already got their guy? Or they're on their way to getting their guy. I, I I would say they're. I would say more. I would say on the way. Like you can't. Josh Harris has been through this stuff before in other sports. Right. They know how to be ready. So as an example, when Daryl Morey was with the Rockets, like they knew that there was a chance he was going to be either stepping down or whatever happened at the end there, and they were on it right away. So why is that? Because they knew, right? And so I think with this situation, yes, you you. I mean, it, anybody in this situation will have a list ready, and anybody in this situation will be already be talking to people indirectly, right? And and so yeah, I mean that's so. Do you have any names? There. I don't know that I have any names yet because I don't I don't know that for sure. I know some of the names that would be that would be interesting would be guys like you know Adam Peters from San Francisco. I think anybody who is going to go after him, um, you know, and I mean, so I think that would be a name that's on anybody's list. If you have a GM opening, um, you have, um, uh, you know, there's Ed Dodds in the Colts, Andy Whitell in Pittsburgh. I mean, guys, 
you know, you, you will look for guys in certain situations. And I'm not, I don't know that these guys are like, that they're sitting there already going for these guys. I'm just putting out names of people that you know will be part of any process going forward. You know, Ian Cunningham of Chicago has ties to the Eagles, Ravens. You know, guys, you look for things like that, but I don't have any concrete names that they're looking at right now um, because it's, I think, I wouldn't say it's early. It's just that it's not out. So, um, but, okay. I, but I know like those are going to be, and there's a, you know, and then there are going to be names where like, oh, I didn't see that coming. But, you know, then it's, you know, I mean, you know, so I think it's just, but I think you know, Adam Peters will be interesting because um, I think he has ties to Ben Johnson too. So like that is, you know, how does that come about? I don't know, you know, um, how that plays into it, but, and, and would he leave San Francisco? I don't know. So I think that's, but that's like anybody with a GM opening, he's going to be a guy that you're going to be interested in. And you think that this is the way they'll go, right? I just want to be—I want to be clear on that—that that you think they're looking for someone to run their football operation yeah. as a general manager or whatever yeah. the title would be, and then go get the head coach. Yeah. Or maybe they yeah. both come together, but it's—it's—it's it's, it's a fit for both of them. Yes, but it's—but if they come together, it's because the, the GM and the coach were tied together that's already. Right. So yeah. they're a package deal. If that's the case, so yes, I do think that because that—that's. You know, Josh Harris, that's how he's run his order. You, you, with him, you have a blueprint for how he wants to do things, and he doesn't deviate. Like, they're an analytics-based operation with each of their teams. You know, he, he has – I mean, there was um, – he's been quoted as saying that he wants the GM and then the coach, and he's done that with his other teams. So, so yes, that's the way I expect him to go. Do you have any sense of what ownership's view of Sam Howell is? I mean, I think it's, I think it's probably like a lot of people, you see a lot of things you like, but I don't think they're going to sit there and tie how to, I think they're like, what, again, what my understanding would be that they're going to tie, they're going to let people come in, make that decision. So I I do think there's a, uh, certainly like him, um, but I don't, I don't think it's going to, if people are wondering, are they going to be, make him say, build around him? I don't see them doing that because I just don't think that's the way they operate. Um, but I know that, um, you know, um, so yeah, that, that's how, that's how I put it. So whatever they think, you know, unless you're like, if he, if they had taken him in the first round last year and he's showing this, then you're going to say, well, yeah, this is the guy and it's kind of obvious, but I don't, but they, they weren't here when they picked him, and they're going to let football people make football decisions. That's been, that's been the MO and you know, it's, um, it's a different thing than in the past. I'll come back to Sam here in a moment, but you you don't think there's any chance that they would let Ron go before the end of the year, right? No, I don't see that. Like yeah. it's we're past that point. Yeah. Um, and you know it's funny because I know a lot of people want to know why or you know screaming for it a while ago, but there's no there's a couple things. One, Josh Harris had made it be known to a lot of people that they wanted to give them the year, so he's staying true to his word. We saw what happens when you have an owner who does things in a different way. And when you stay true to your word, you tend to get better people to work for you. That they know, hey, listen, Harris told me this. So I'm, you know, he told me you got three years to do this. I'm going to get three years. And unless something goes dramatically wrong, right? Um, and so I think that's important when you have an owner because there's really, it's not like in college where if you fired him in November, you can have your new coach in place by December. You you have there's a even the GM you can't hire any you can't hire them until after the season unless they're currently unemployed. 
So, you know, that, that's, so there's no benefit to that. And then I think the other thing was, you know, like who would take over? Would you automatically put the enemy in there to right. see what he can do? But then you have a situation where you're putting the enemy in a no-win situation. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's going to help him. And I think if you want to develop the offense, he needs to develop as a coordinator, and which helps then Sam Howell. So you get a better chance right. to see what he can do. So there's really, there is no benefit. It's, you know, so, so yeah, I do expect him to stay. I think you bring up a really good point, too, that probably hasn't been made enough, and that is from Josh Harris's seat, if he were to cut Ron loose, Ron, for, you know, for what everybody around here thinks of Ron Rivera, the head coach, he's a very respected person in the yeah, NFL by yeah. people around the league and missed any sort of perception that he's mistreated or that Josh Harris didn't hold up his word to give Ron this year. You know, th- that's a good point. You know, you don't want to get, you don't want to end up looking like a guy where people are kind of, looking sideways at, I don't know about this new owner, Um, handling Ron the right way is is probably very important. So Yeah, and I I talked to somebody earlier this year who who has coaching clients and asked them, what would you think? Now, this is when, because this talk started, you know, anytime they would lose a game here. After the Chicago game. After the Chicago game in particular. And, um, you know, I, I remember talking to people around that time, like, not so much, are they going to do it, but what would you think for your client if this team did this, if this owner did this after knowing that he was saying this or telling people this. And it was like, it would, he goes, I wouldn't, you wouldn't, if the trust word came up, wouldn't, would have a hard time trusting, wouldn't be a good look, and you might think twice about coming here. Now you have a guy who like, okay, he's not going to make, and someone could say, well, Ron had four years. It's the first year under Harris. Like, if you're Harris, you want to see what he can do under your ownership, knowing after dealing with Dan Snyder for months and months and months, and knowing how chaotic that can be, you might want to see what does he do in a somewhat normal situation. And you gave it to him, and it hasn't worked. But you gave it to him, and you, what you, can, say, you can tell another coach, like, listen, we said this, we did this, we followed through on this, I'm willing to be patient if I see progress. And, you know, and like you, you know, this throughout the year, obviously at this point in the year, the progress is shot. And so it's a little bit different, but at this point, there's no benefit to making a move unless, unless Rivera went to him and said, you know what, you know, if he said like, you know, this is bad for all of us, this blah, blah, let's just end it. And I don't see that happening either. I think, I think Rivera is really intent on trying to get this in the right place, regardless of who's coaching here next year. And so I don't see him wanting to do that. And so I think Harris will stick to it. And there's no reason at this point, there's no reason not to. All right, the two two questions. I got a minute. Um, your hunch on whether or not a new regime—just a hunch, because we don't know who the new regime will be—we don't know if they'll have ties to Eric Bieniemy. But right now, if you had to wager on Eric Bieniemy being back with this organization next year, would you wager yes or no? I'd say no, just because if you go, if you follow this, if you have a young quarterback you want to get, whether it's Sam Howell or in the draft, chances are you're going to take an offensive-minded head coach you have an offensive-minded head coach, you're not going to keep a, a coordinator from, a, from an offense that maybe you didn't run. Right. And, and who hasn't as a coordinator? Like, you know, there's problems with this offense. It's not the enemy's doing. But it's, you know, at this point, the offense is not producing enough. So That's right. Is, there's not a slam dunk to say, oh, you've got to do this because it, there's not. And so, and again, but the key is, Kevin, forgetting all that, the key is, and, you know, you could say, like, well, they could build on this for next year. Sure. 
But, I'll, but if you have an offensive mind head coach, they're going to be hired for their acumen. They're going to uh, run their offense and call uh, their I, play. Yeah. The whole the idea that I don't know I I don't I, I understand we we are we're, we're definitely um, a, a very injured uh, fan base for yeah. a long period of time but this idea that you don't want to ruin the continuity you don't want Sam Howell to have a new offensive coordinator why not I mean you're going to get a new whole regime it'll be okay if they start over and my and by the way it might be a lot better who knows um, well, here's, ex- here's la- real quick on that point too yeah. So let's, let's play it out. Let's say they get a defensive-minded head coach in here who wants to keep them, and then let's say the offense takes a big jump. Well, guess what happens? Maybe that's the job. Maybe that's the way Biennemi finally gets a head coaching job. Now you're starting over. So if you have a head coach who's offensive-minded, you then have the chance to control that system as long as you're here because it's yeah, going to be I, your system and someone's going to call it. Yeah. All right, last one real quickly. This is John Kime answering it, not you, you projecting as to what a new regime would want. Uh, top four pick or better is quarterback in play or not for you? Oh, it's definitely in play. Okay, and not not so much that because I think how like I'd have no problem if they said, you know, we're going to build around how we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But I think if you're picking four, how is it not in play? Because you have to study it to see is it can this person be better than what how where we where we project how you have to put it in play. Doesn't mean you take them, but if you don't look at it. Like, you're doing a disservice because this franchise for decades now has looked for a guy. And if you have a guy that's like, you know what, I really like quarterback X, but, you know, Sam did all right. You take the guy that you think can – You're a college football fan. You're a big college football fan. Mm. If you're in the top four – would you, right now you're you're the GM. Would you bait you know after evaluating and just say due diligence, everything looks good. Do you do you think you would end up selecting a quarterback? Well, I don't I don't think so because I don't know. Is there are there three quarterbacks worthy of going in the top four? That would be my concern. And I don't know. Like, do we know for sure all these guys are coming out? I know Penix will be there. And he's in his what sixth or seventh year or whatever it is. But like, does Drake May come for sure come out? If he doesn't, you know that if he does, then there's probably if two Caleb Williams, Drake two. May, and Jaden Daniels, which now appear to be the top three, right, right. If they're out Jayden and would, and, and available, and you don't, it, you know, yeah, Jade would interest me, but I don't like. I haven't watched enough of him okay. to say, oh, he's an automatic. Right. But if you don't study it, if you don't evaluate it, you're doing a disservice, and you can end up saying. We looked at it, but we're sticking with Sam. And I'd say, fine. Then get a, then a, you know, build the line, build this, get some more, get another a big weapon at, at receive a bigger target at receiver, get this get that, and help you know in, in, improve the interior of the line, whatever, all that stuff. But so you can build around him, and I don't have a problem with that because there's a lot that I like about that kid. I mean, he, you know, there's a lot. There's, um, I just think the way he's handled the situation has been very, um, um, uh, yeah, agreed. Impressive. Yeah. Agreed. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate the two segments out of you today. Good work. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> John Kime, everybody. John underscore Kime. Phone lines are open 301 230 980 Right now, top four pick in the draft. Let's say it doesn't change and it may go higher. What would you do? You can play GM. Right now, would you be seriously considering taking a quarterback? And if so, which one would excite you the most? 301-230-0980. It's the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980. The Team980.com. We're free and live on the Odyssey app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 